So I'm here with my buddy Aaron, who I drove up to LA for. And Aaron and I go way back. We met in Bali back in 2020 when I ran a wellness retreat with the Yogi Lab at the Astana. And we've been good homies ever since. And I love this dude. He's a coach, he's a speaker, he's just launched a podcast, Ink, Pray, Love podcast, which I just had an interview with him yesterday. And I'm really excited to talk to you, Aaron, because you've gone from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other. You know, starting out in the drug game and organized crime to where you are today, doing so much good work in the world, philanthropy. You raise money every year for Balinese children. You do a bunch of dope shit, dude. <laughs> and it's really impressive to see you get out of the game like that and really dedicate yourself to your purpose and your mission. And so I'm super excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much, bro. It's a pleasure. Thanks for driving up from San Diego yeah. to LA to be on my podcast and I get to be on yours long time coming. Yeah. Uh, it makes me super happy to have like good friends like you. Like um, we'll get into it, but like I got into a very bad motorcycle accident um, mm -hmm. last year, year and a half ago. I broke both my legs, my pelvis, my elbow, my Achilles, my bladder. Just everything. Just everything. Broke everything in the hit body. by a truck yeah. on the highway. 100% this other guy's fault, pulled out without looking. I'm on the highway doing 80, smashed my body up, and you showing up for me and giving me those calls of like, bro, try this, do this, the supplementation, the healing, that. I just want to thank you again for that because like, I'm walking again with deadlifting yesterday. We just hit the gym, you and me, Gold Beach. Yeah. Gold's, on, Gold's in Venice Beach and like smashed a crazy workout. We're yeah. pushing sleds today. Wild, dude. And it's wild to see what the human body can do and today I'd love to talk about with your audience is actually what the human mind can do yeah and us resetting our lives rebranding ourselves um, to then be able to accomplish so much more in life and we can take any knock we can become anti-fragile because we can take on anything and there's transferable skills in getting through one thing getting out of the dope game getting over addiction to then yeah. go be a yogi to then go into building I've launched seven businesses in seven years because I was able to do this one thing yeah. and then I was able to do another thing and I was able to do another thing and I it was through a bunch of series of perspective changes that I was able to then like do a lot and what we talked about on my podcast yesterday was you taught me how hey this is good for you like do this thing it's good for you it changed my perspective around that thing mm -hmm. and now I'm like okay looking at my phone in bed is bad for me and then when I do it I'm like this is bad for me don't do it and like actually then I know now don't do it and so I want people to also see that we can shift our life massively just by having a shift in perspective around a little thing. And I want that to be around, yeah, rebranding yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing to people see that you can just change your brand of who you are and how you're showing up with some tweaks, not just around marketing, just how you want to be walking in the world. Yeah. You're, you yourself are a brand. That's the thing most people don't realize is like how you show up, even if you don't have a business, you yeah. don't have a social media presence, you're still a brand yeah. to the people you interact with, your yeah. friends, your family, your people in your sphere. Yeah. But dude, I want to start at the beginning. Yeah. So sure. you're little Aaron, <laughs> walking around the world, showing people your retainer to impress them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, how, how do you go from you know, a little innocent Aaron to like slinging drugs and yeah. into organized crime? Yeah, yeah, that brand thing's so funny. So backstory on the retainer. Uh, <laughs> in my family, uh, my dad's uncle, uncle or something, or like, you know, a little bit far removed, uh, he was a very powerful um, human in the sense that he was the first Sikh Punjabi person to break into Hollywood to have a business in, in LA, in Hollywood. So he owned the Guinness World Book of Records, he owned the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, like on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And he, you know, Sikh guy with a turban and everything, so he was clearly ethnic, you mm -hmm. know, in, in the 70s and 80s in there. So it's cool to see like this guy, you know, I think he, when he passed away, I think he was worth over 100 million. 
Damn. I was like, damn, he went gold mines. Like, he did it. So I was like, very impressed with this person, right? Yeah. But I'm like 10 years old and at, at his Malibu mansion. And I just wanted to like talk to him and I just wanted to like be there. And I was this fat little kid, braces, <laughs> glasses, asthma, yeah. high pitched voice. Like, I was not cool. Yeah. Like, I was like, not killing it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and, and, what I wanted to do at that age was I just wanted, obviously I wanted validation and attention like we all do. Mm -hmm. And that story of the braces with the, with the retainer was we had nothing to talk about and I just like pulled my retainer out of my pocket and I was like, this is my retainer. <laughs> and what he said next, I'll never forget, was if you don't have something important to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> I was like, oh. What it just shut down. Yeah, it just shut me down. Like, what a good lesson to learn early on in life. 100%. Yeah. It was like provide value. Yeah. Like if you're saying something, provide value in what you're saying. Don't just say nothing. Mm -hmm. Make sure, or don't say something that's nothing. Yeah. It'll water down your brand. Yeah. You need to be impactful. And so then I learned that we're a brand in anything we do. When mm -hmm. you picked the champion tearaways or the Nike tearaways, remember those like track pants mm -hmm. or the Adidas ones, you're, you're tuning your brand. Or maybe you want your skater shoes. That's our videographer. Shout out to my videographers. And so you're like the skater shoes, you know, we're just talking about that. That's your brand. And how you show up is, is your brand. You want to be authentic in who you are. But also that's you're picking how you want to be perceived. You also treat, teach people how you want to be treated. So that fat little kid was teaching people like I was, I was wanting that validation. And when I was bullied in high school, you know, I didn't want my brand to be bullied anymore. It hurt. I was, mm -hmm. you know, I was picked on by the older guys and I didn't like that. So I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be a gangster. I wanted to roll with the bad kids so that way they'd think of me as a bad boy, a tough guy. Mm -hmm. So then I started hanging out with the drug dealers. I got into kickboxing. You know, I was really into then training myself to be tough, getting lots of tattoos. And I went into that road where I was like, wow, okay, I was still a connector because when I was bullied, I learned how to be friends with everybody because I didn't ever want to be a bully. I knew how that felt. That's not cool. I don't want to make people feel that way. So I got good at making friends with everybody because I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with the, the, the Pokemon kids. I was friends with like everybody yeah. so I could be liked. And that actually made me a good drug dealer because then I was like friends with everybody. You had to connect. Yeah, yeah. I got the connects. I got yeah. guys for everything. Yeah. And I really took joy in being the guy who could get you anything. Mm. And that was like fun for me. Um, but the thing is, is that world is empty and dark and deeply inside of me, I'm a deeply compassionate, caring, loving human. And the drug game is not that. And me putting out that misery in the sense of addiction, in the sense of just not living the right way, um, inside was, 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 was eating at me. And so the partying, of course, was part of the drug game. Drugs are part of the drug game. I was doing lots of drugs. Yeah. Um, and what I realized now after all the work was I started consuming so much drugs because I wasn't happy with what I was really doing. I wasn't living out my dharma. Mm. I, I wasn't connected to something that was helping other people. So opiates were the big thing. Painkillers, like, you know, oxys were my thing. That's because it was like a hug from the sun. <laughs> it was just like the hug I always needed that I never got as a kid. Yeah. And that oxytocin, the dopamine that it would give me would just allow me then to switch off that part of me that was unhappy with what I was doing. I'm not helping people. Gucci belts don't fulfill you. This shit just was making me feeling worse off. So the drugs would help me numb that part so I could just mm -hmm. go and deal with all the crazy shit that's happening in the drug game. Mm -hmm. And that's where that started the spiral. So it went from, you know, a little bit of Percocets and Oxys to then doing 15 grand street price a month of drugs. Jeez. It was like a fucking hectic amount of, of drugs, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And and how old were you in this at this point? Twenty three was when I started really making money and really okay. doing a lot of drugs. Twenty four, I was like at the peak of it. I was running like a nationwide drug operation. I was shipping all across the country, and wow. then twenty five downfall was just like that's not a sustainable way to live. Mm-hmm. You're meeting Mexican cartels. You're you're doing like crazy shit oh, at that shit. level. I'm yeah. dealing with some big time guys, and I am not the type of person that would want would would kill someone over money and that's what that level is about is Mm -hmm. like kidnappings and murders and i'm like fuck that like straight out of the movies exactly that's nuts (laughs) i'm just like this ain't me yeah and wrestling with this ain't me um hurts and i was just like wait a minute that this brand i've created isn't authentic to who i am i'm not the fucking nationwide cartel drug guy like that's not who i am at all mm-hmm. i'm a compassionate loving human this is a misalignment in my brand it's inauthentic i gotta get out of this and i gotta go do something else because i'm gonna end up dead or in jail mm-hmm. all the signs are pointing towards something bad is gonna happen to you and i realized there was a deep spiritual side of me that was that that's what pulled me out was i was listening to the side of me that was like if you don't get out you'll die and i was like okay I listened to the universe that was starting to point all these little signs saying something bad's coming for you if you don't get out. So I started listening to that and I did this plant medicine called Iboga. Have you heard of it? Yeah. The African plant root from the Gabon region. Yeah. It is not easy. <laughs> it's like being in a washing machine. <laughs> and while you're in the washing machine, you're listening to like your stern father telling you how much of a fuck up you are over and over oh, and wow. over. It's looping. So what, what inspired you to do this? Uh, I was searching a counselor. Okay. And I, and I was very open with my counselor. I'm like, I'm a drug addicted drug dealer. I, I, like, I fucking, I'm, I, I'm uh, like deeply unhappy yeah i can't go a second without being high because any second i'm not high i'm deeply sad Mm. and it was like okay after all these years of work i realized because i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing Mm. i'm not happy with my life and whether people listening you're just in a dead-end job and you're not a drug addicted drug dealer you're still not living out your truth yeah and you're not impacting the world in your highest form because you living in your highest form your brand actually aligned to who you are your personal path in life and how you're perceived is not aligned to helping in some way yeah in in any way but you're just doing something that's outside of you that's productive and adding to society and most people in that camp are numbing themselves maybe not with oxys yeah but with social media and netflix and food and all sorts of other shit yeah Yeah. that's ultimately the same concept as what you're describing where they have this deep-rooted unsatisfaction lack of fulfillment unhappiness and rather than going into that place and figuring out like well shit how can i get out of this they just kind of numb their day to day exactly yeah. with things yeah things with, with and the new distractions thing. yeah distractions yeah. with whatever with Netflix series whatever just mm-hmm. quiets that down for yep. a second right yep and once you see it you can't unsee it mm-hmm. once you see that I'm meant for more you can't switch that off you can try with bottles you can try with models you can try with drugs you can try with fancy shit fancy mm-hmm. cars but you will have that nagging voice in you forever that's just like, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. And if you keep trying to calm that down and quiet that out, it'll eat you alive. And mm-hmm. that's what was happening for me. And the minute that you listen to it, you're building trust with yourself. And I built trust with myself. I was like, go get help. So the first step was going to get help, which is a G move. Yeah. Everybody listen, go get help. It yeah. is, that is a boss move. Totally. Suppressing your feelings and suppressing um, your true path is not... The, the way of strength. 
mm. vulnerability and acceptance and going and doing the work on yourself is the strength move. That's a power play. Totally. So I went and got help. This counselor told me, you should try iboga. It's a habit interrupter. It is a way for you to, um, to get off the drugs and it's a spiritual practice. This is plant medicine. And I was like, okay. You what know? a great counselor. Right? Because, dude, I feel most, yeah. a lot of counselors out there, one, don't know what a bug is. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend, like, drugs. A black med- <laughs> <plant> medicine to <laughs> yeah. a drug addict. Yes. And, and also, like, I think there's a lot of just, like, passive therapy going on where yeah. they're just, like, you go in, you vent, they listen, yeah. they might say a few words back, but they're not, like, making a lot of change in your life. Yeah. So yeah. I think, to your point, asking for help is huge, but find the right help. Exactly. Like find a good therapist. Yeah, find someone yeah. that's really going to take action and help you. Definitely. Not someone who's just going to like hear you whine and complain. Yeah, yeah. Keep you in the victim mode. Yes, exactly. Where you're just consistently whining about your shit. Yep. That's not the way. Mm-hmm. But actually taking action is the way. And not all the action works. But if, as long as you're trying to get out of it, out of your loop, yeah. you're making way more progress than sitting and bitching about it or not even talking about it and suppressing mm-hmm. it and staying in the loop. So I do iboga and it was so hard. Like, holy shit, because also I still thought at that point I could not do drugs and still sell drugs because I was addicted more to the money than I was and the status and the Stats, identity yeah. and the power yeah. than I was um, the actual drugs. The drugs were a symptomatic thing to numb uh, not living out my truth. So I do this iboga uh, one week of blood doses. Which is not. So, so what does that mean? Like one week you're just taking a heroic dose yeah. every day? It was like uh, a week thing. And so the first two days are like a test dose, right? And mind you, I was doing like 20 to 23 oxy-80s a day. And so you just cold turkey stuck, stuck that? Cool. They wean you off with a bit of morphine and then get you onto the... Um, but the amount of morphine I had to take, they were like, this is the most amount of drugs we've ever seen anyone do in the history of our practice. <laughs> so they used my case study from the University of British Columbia to say, like, if we can help this guy, like they used, like, I was like the top drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, at least I was number one at that. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Fuck. These are the best at something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the best at not dying doing the most amount of drugs, like an yeah. elephant amount of wow. drugs, right? Wow. So, you know, and to come out like, you know, yeah. <laughs> relatively unscathed and then yeah. to go and launch seven businesses is like cool. <laughs> yeah, so, you, so you're in the thick of the aboga. Is this at like a place in Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it's was like at, a... they rented like a apartment. Like I was in like oh. I was in like a townhome complex, right? Oh, wow. So it wasn't like in a shamanistic. It was it was in a controlled shamanistic space, okay. but I didn't have to go out into the jungle. Right? Got it. So we do this, and it was crazy. Like the first three days are like okay, getting you uh, used to the medicine, and you know they'd give you these like you know these pills where it was like aboga has been then you know condensed into it and they I will never forget like they sage you before and I really realized I hate the smell of sage at that time because it was such a difficult process they'd give you mm. a bit of papaya before they give you it and I couldn't eat papaya for like a year after I couldn't even look at papaya I'll be like, <laughs> like I see it right it's traumatized and then the flood dose comes and that's like the hero dose mm. and that's when you just can't move and you just gotta take it and it's just yeah. looping and looping of how you fucked up your life. It's not your dad's fault for not giving you the hugs you wanted. It's not your neighborhood's fault for you know being in a rough neighborhood where you grew up. It's not your friend's fault for being those influences. This is your choices and you have to be madly accountable for what you've done, mm-hmm. which is really hard on your ego, but also that ego death is where you'll be able to be rebirthed into a better human. So you gotta go through the shit. Yeah. 
And that was the shit. It, if you move, you're going to vomit. So you just have to t- fucking take it. It was like so hard, right? Oh, it was so hard. And so I remember one time I was wrestling through it and I vomited everywhere. It was just insane, right? So I'm coming out of that and they let you watch Netflix the next day. And it was interesting because they're just like, don't watch anything violent, anything. You have to only watch positive, happy things because it's going to come into your subconscious and you'll come into your next journey. So you need to be staying with things that are going to enrich you. So I started Mm. watching documentaries on happiness. I started watching documentaries on like the science of happiness. I exhausted all those options. And the only thing left was what changed my life. And, And it happened to be eat, pray, love. And I'm sitting there and Julia Roberts is in Ubud. And in, in, in Bali, and she's going through this like, you know, ceremony scene. She's going through a market and there's offerings. And I remember seeing this Balinese woman doing the offerings with the incense. And I was just like, whatever that is, I need that in my life. Mm. Whatever, wherever that is, I have to go there. Whatever's happening there, that devotion, that connection, that power, I need this. I'm missing this element exactly. That spiritual cord in me was then plucked. And I was then booking a flight to Bali. And first I had to figure out where the fuck Bali was. <laughs> and there's, oh, Indonesia. I'm like, where the fuck's Indonesia? I'm like, you know? and I'm like, I thought it was near Japan. It's actually near Australia. I'm like, okay. So two days later, on my 25th birthday, I land in Ubud, Bali alone. Diamond drug dealer earrings, Louis Vuitton t-shirt, fucking ma- designer man purse mm-hmm. to yoga barn. You know, yeah. it's like a, yeah. like a hippie mecca of yoga. Mm-hmm. And I rock up there. And I had a yoga practice before I started because I left kickboxing. I had too many concussions. I started doing yoga, which was, a, I was a drug dealer going to yoga. I was a weird, weird person, right? Mm-hmm. And I go do a yoga teacher training. And that shifted my life massively because I saw there was another avenue for me to be a different person where I could go and be in this conscious community. And I, I failed that yoga teacher training. It was the worst. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a yoga teacher. I was just trying to get myself away from the drug game for a little bit, but I was still doing international drug deals while mm-hmm. I'm in this yoga teacher training on my encrypted email phone. Mm-hmm. And it was like the weirdest place to be doing this. And my yoga teacher hated me because I was like going on Tinder dates, you know, on the weekends, getting hammered, getting a full sleep tattoo during it. Yeah. Like I was just like a mess, but I made amazing life-changing connections while I was there because I got in touch with the Balinese people who are all about devotion and ceremony and prayer and community and connection. And it was like, oh, wow, this is a different place to live. Plus the expats who are about spirituality and consciousness. It was not my neighborhood in Vancouver. So as I flew back to Vancouver, I knew I had to get out of the dope game and I needed to move there. So you were just there for like a week initially or something? Two months. Two months. Two months. Two months. It was enough time for me to really see there's another way to live. Yeah. I poked my head out and I was like, there's... There's more out there mm-hmm. than my little world I made here where I'm this big shot mm-hmm. and really fucking bullshit. And so it was the hardest six months of my life to get out of the dope game because I needed to unplug, get out. I gave up all my connections. I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. I didn't want to make one more cent again that wouldn't make my parents proud. I mm-hmm. needed to get out. I needed to get clean. I knew I couldn't be clean if I was in the game. But it's crazy when you're trying to make a big shift in your life, the universe is going to test you how bad you really want it. Mm-hmm. So that time it was like my friends were getting kidnapped. There were people shooting each other. It was nuts. Shit. It was really intense. And did your family know you were deep in the at, at criminal that point, I, I, had to, I, I had to tell them when I was really deep in my addiction. I just had to let them know I'm, I'm in trouble with myself 
like I need to get clean. I need to get out. I'm, this is what I'm going through. And they kind of had an idea because I was like 23 ripping a Mercedes Benz up. Like, hey, yeah. what's up? Like, they're just like, how, you know. And, and what did you tell them? Like, did uh, you have a story? Like, I just like, you know, I'm savvy with my money. You know, just <laughs> bullshit, right? Super vague stuff. Yeah, yeah. they just. Some they good just, investments, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they just wanted to like not know the truth, but yeah. they knew, you know. So yeah. it's just like they just didn't want to deal with it. So when I was getting out, my mom really was like behind my back about that. She's oh, just like, awesome. she wanted to, she, she knew this was good for me. She just wanted me to do it. Mm. And so when I sold everything and got out and almost didn't make it to Bali, it was crazy. Those last six months were the most intense six months of my life in the sense of, yeah, the universe is going to test you. And when I got back there and I moved to Bali, my life expanded rapidly because I really took a chance on myself. And, but this was crazy because I had to rebrand myself from being drug dealer Aaron to now, who am I? Who am I going to be? Who am I if I don't have this lifestyle I created? Mm. I'm in a new place. I'm a new person. And it was really scary because I was just like, well, now what? Yeah. And then I realized this is actually a position of great power because I can choose to be anybody I want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice rather than anything else. So I'm like, I want to be compassionate. I want to be known as someone who's caring. I want to be an asset to the community. I want to build community around me. I want to live a life of service. You know, I want to be a yogi. I want to be spiritual. I want to meditate. I want to be balls in on personal development. I want to travel the world. I want to be cultured. I want to read books. And it was just like, I made a list of actually what kind of guy I want to be. And then I just had this list and I was like, well, fucking do it. The world's your oyster. Mm -hmm. So I just did it. And it was seven years of just personal development, meditation, yoga, and launching businesses as a result. And so seven businesses in seven years because I just was able to then use my connector skills, you know, from being the kid who was friends with everybody because he was bullied, to then being savvy in high pressure situations from being a drug dealer, to then now being crazy about my personal development. The world just started shifting for me in a place of, okay, I branded myself now as someone who's caring, who's a connector, who, who's transformed his life. And the world started reacting to that. So then all these connections started popping in and, and magnetizing to me because I told the universe I wanted to be someone else now. And I showed it, I made, I made the leap. So when you plant your flag in the, in the ground and you're like, I'm this guy now, the universe knows how to treat you now. It'll act towards that. And what's crazy is that's our choice. You can decide right now, I'm this guy. Yeah. And then you showcase it with, a, with an action. And that's when things shift for you. That was like a massive shift for me in my life because I really realized I can create my reality just by making the choice. Yeah. And we really do attract the type of energy we put out. Mm. So that makes total sense. And so at this time, as you're in Bali, were you totally like straight edge, sober, yeah. no drinking, no drugs, nothing? It was a journey. <laughs> it was a journey. Yeah. It was like definitely, I'm glad I was out there because there wasn't like opiates for me to get my hands on. So uh-huh. I needed to be away from what was my clear addiction. Yeah, change your environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started experimenting with plant medicines there too, like just mushroom journeys, ayahuasca, all these other things. And that was helpful on my journey. Yeah. So I was more into my yogi path. But drinking would be occasionally here and there. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, I realized I didn't like it anymore. It didn't feel what I wanted to feel. Mm-hmm. So I was so filled with launching businesses and creating community that the drinking didn't quite align with what I was doing. So what was beautiful is it changed my relationship with things because actually I realized if I'm so happy and fulfilled with what I'm doing, those things are not that you turn the volume down on them because you turn your volume up on purpose and, and, and you're engaged in what you're doing. 
that's a beautiful antidote for depression. It's a beautiful antidote for addiction is get excited about what you're doing and it make it matter. Mm-hmm. And we, what, what we do, we make it matter. We bring meaning to everything in our lives. So that's what was great. Cause I was like bringing meaning to like, I want to have a successful business mm-hmm. and I want this business to impact the community. So the first business started uh, funding a, uh, a school for mentally disabled Balinese children. And we still help fund that school from my first tattoo shop, the little one, Conscious Arts Tattoo Shop. So that was your first business mm-hmm. was the tattoo shop? Well, the first one was an Airbnb bed and breakfast. Because okay. I wanted to, uh, when I left to move to Bali, I wanted to be, my goal was to be like an international hotel owner. I wanted to have a, a chain of hotels. I wanted to be like a real estate millionaire. Yeah. And, a, and like a, a, like a cross-international, uh, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't end up that way because when I started doing an Airbnb, I realized I didn't care about beds or breakfast. <laughs> well, I don't give a yeah. fuck. Like, yeah. there's like French people like this, a gecko in my room. I'm yeah, like, it's yeah. Bali, you bitch. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It, just didn't, it just didn't align. Sure. But we started doing, having a tattoo shop in the, in the dining room because I made friends with these, this tattoo family. And I got my sleeve from them and it was like, we connected. They took me back to their village. I went to their ceremonies. I started learning Indonesian. And the tattoo shop, we rebranded the bed and breakfast as an Airbnb tattoo shop. The only one actually on Airbnb, the only Airbnb tattoo shop. So we niched mm-hmm. and that started making way more money than the actual Airbnb. It's like, okay, this is a cool business. People come, they get their tattoos. They're happy. They leave. It's way better than like any other. It's, it's really fulfilling. It's fun. Yeah. It's creative. It's artistic. I don't tattoo, but I'm able to then help like these Balinese guys that came like my family, help them build, build wealth and get families and then have, have houses and like that really helped. So I, the lease was ending and I went to India on a solo journey, try to figure out what to do next. And I was playing with the idea of having my own shop, but I didn't quite know. So I went spiritual soul searching and I ended the relationship I had been in that I'd moved to Bali with. Um, and she moved back to Vancouver. My girlfriend at the time moved with me, God bless her. And, um, I realized like, what do I want to do now? Like mm-hmm. now I'm single mm-hmm. I, instead of my old patterns of just partying and, you know, lots of, you know, uh, uh, rebound sex and just all those negative things. I went to ashrams and I went to meditation retreats and I, and I went deep into myself and that's where the answers actually came. And I was like, okay, going deep within provides way more clarity and answers. It's a better investment than going and partying and, you know, doing all that stuff. So the idea for conscious arts came through in a meditation retreat in the Himalayas and it was a full yes. And that's when I actually started then learning how to trust myself and getting deep answers because it was like that idea hit. And when I actually listened to something that felt very true, it turned out awesome. So the first tattoo shop, that was my first successful business. Um, instantly after three months was the busiest and most profitable tattoo shop in the city. Wow. And I was like, okay, this works. Yeah. And because we're funding a school for mentally, mentally disabled kids, we have a good karma aspect that works. So I like, I got it from there. We opened a karma house, a bigger shop with a yoga studio upstairs. We had a restaurant in it that then opened up so many other avenues and doors. We opened Yogi lab. That's how I met mm-hmm. you through yeah. AJ and it was an online personal development business. And we had old retreats and mm-hmm. we still have that. And that was like, wow, my global network then started really growing. Mm-hmm. And as a business, we were leveling up as a lifestyle. We were helping people go through growth and transformation and having a business that aligns to what you want to do and what you love is the shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's really like, the best way to do it, man. Yeah. It's really hard. I, can only imagine to grind on a business 
that doesn't fill you up. Yeah. That doesn't like cool. scratch your itch of wanting to pursue something yeah. that's meaningful to you yeah. and just doing it for the dollars. And don't get me wrong, I think money is probably the greatest tool we have yeah. to elicit change, to help people. Because while it's great to go volunteer at a soup kitchen, hmm. it's a lot greater to hire a thousand people to go volunteer at a soup kitchen. Yeah. So you're able to actually instill a lot of change. So I, I respect people yeah. who make money for the build, sake of making money. Build the soup kitchen. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, it, if you're doing something you're passionate about that's really meaningful and fulfilling for you, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to grind it out and, and hustle on those yeah. days where you just don't want to. Or exactly. on days when it's just hard. You exactly. Because you have a deeper purpose and you love what you're doing. Exactly. And that was so much better because I did enough for money that didn't light me up to know that that's not the path. Yeah. So then um, out of that, I started coaching when COVID hit and started becoming a coach. And I really loved that because I was helping people transform their lives, rebrand themselves, launch their businesses. And that was massive. I really enjoyed it. From that, uh, people started then wanting me to be a partner in their businesses to help them get going with my ability to connect and build. So we got Lighthouse Studios. That's a content creation studio with a restaurant on it in it in Bali. That was awesome. And then I got hit by a truck. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Is, There's video footage of this. Yeah. And yeah, it is yeah. nuts. It is crazy. Can and you watch that video? Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't like no, shake I, you up? Because well, I did so much trauma release work around mm. it. Well, this was the most important thing was like I had to meet so many of my demons, especially the conditioning and trauma from what I went through as a, as a you know, teenager and then in the dope game because there was so much that sunk in me and hurt. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And that's why I did so much drugs. I realized that was, I didn't know how to meet that pain. And that that pain had power over me because I just couldn't even sit with it. Just like the bullies in high school, where you couldn't even be in the same room as them because your nervous system is firing off and you're scared. But when you realize, if you're not scared to that bully, that bully won't have any power over you. I was like, okay, just like your deepest trauma, if you meet it and you're just there and you show it some love even, it shifts the whole interaction. So when I was able to meet the trauma of the accident, and man, this was rough. I was, when it happened, you know, I was awake the entire time. And thank God for my training for, for the yoga, for, the, for all the kickboxing I did yeah, for martial arts. For it. I was awake the entire time, and my leg was bent sideways. I had bone sticking out of my leg. I was bleeding out. I severed an artery in my leg. I was, you know, bleeding to death. Dude, you sent me some photos of this after it happened. Yeah. It, it was gnarly. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, couldn't even look at them. Yeah. It was intense. Yeah. And yeah. I would love to, you know, for anyone listening to this, we're going to have a YouTube video, and I'm going to put up some B-roll of, of the yeah. accident and everything yeah. Yeah. so that people can get a visual. Because this was not just like you get a little banged up. This was like a life-threatening injury yeah. where you could have died. Yeah, yeah. And it was serious, man. I, I was on the highway, on my back, hit a truck. The, truck got, the guy out of the truck, 20-year-old kid driving his truck, goes across two lanes of traffic without looking. I have no chance. I smoke the guy. I'm on my back. First thing I think of is, is my bike okay? Like my Ducati, you know? <laughs> I didn't realize how fucked up I am. He gets out and tries to pull me off the ground. And I'm like, instantly, you can't move me. Like, I, can't, I couldn't move. I was pinned under the truck. Oh, wow. So they pull me out of the truck, excruciating. Oh, God. And I realized, I'm like, this is bad. My leg's bent sideways. Like, I'm, I'm like, quick check. I'm like, wait. Okay. Leg's broken for sure. Yeah. I'm like, mm, elbow hurts, probably broken. Ankle hurts, can't move it, probably broken. I'm like, I can't move. I'm like, my back broken. Mm. It got really scary all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this is very bad. I'm like, okay, think. And I look around now, a crowd is forming. They can see how bad it is, right? Mm. Bikes all messed up, you know? And I'm all messed up. 
my helmet exploded on impact. Oh, <laughs> so it saved my life because yeah. it's one of those carbon fiber helmets that take the impact of it. So it's right. And I go, okay, I need to get everybody a job. So I'm like, you call an ambulance, you uh, take photos of the scene, you get my bike out of the road, you give me the keys to the bike, you find my helmet. That's how I found out the helmets exploded. They bring me pieces of my helmet. Wow. In Indonesian. Dude, so. this is incredible that even under this state of trauma and yeah. adrenaline and stress and everything, you're able to be coherent enough to like order people around yeah. and like yeah. quarterback the situation. In a foreign language I learned, in Indonesian. Oh shit. So it was <laughs> wild, right? And I had to use my breath. It was like I had to then just right away, I was like, calm your breath, calm your nervous system. Like this mm -hmm. is what you need to do. And that was from yoga. Mm -hmm. That was from, from the practice. It was like, you need, to, you need to breathe. You need to calm yourself. You need to act. I had to save my own life then. And so then it's like, you know, five, 10 minutes. Cause luckily we're close to the hospital on that street. Um, I had to wait there, <laughs> paralyzed for this ah. thing to come. It was excruciating. Then they peel me off the pavement, which was rough, bring me to the hospital. And it's when I really realized, I'm like, this is serious. And I'm in the, in, the, in the ambulance and I just prayed to God. And I was like, please don't let me be paralyzed. I'm like, I'll be good, I promise. Like, yeah. I'll make a deal here. That's my biggest fear on yeah. earth. Yeah, That's yeah. my yeah. personal like, yeah. biggest fear on earth is being paralyzed. Because, dude, and I'm so impressed the way you work through this journey because the few times in my life I could look back on and actually say like I felt depressed. Because mm -hmm. I've always been a very happy-go-lucky guy. Mm -hmm. Even when I've been going through challenges and things have been tough, yeah. I've always been able to stay positive and be pretty mm -hmm. upbeat. Mm -hmm. But the few times in my life I've actually been depressed have been during injuries mm -hmm. where I'm laid up, yeah. I can't do the things I love, yeah. I can't even walk, I can't surf, I can't mountain bike, I can't work out. Yeah. I'm just like immobilized yeah. and it prevents you from doing a lot of things that make you feel good as a human exactly and it puts you in such a bad mental funk yeah. and then you know you're gaining weight because you're not moving yeah. and like you just feel horrible you're in pain yep. which is probably the worst state to be in yeah like mentally and physically where you just your body hurts yeah all the time yeah and then you're taking drugs that are obviously necessary yeah that also are a mind fuck and put you in a worse mental state and so, dude, I'm so impressed the way that you went through this recovery. Thank you. It was wild when I got to the hospital because I'm like, for real, like I need painkillers, bone ticking on my leg. Like it was yeah. nuts. And yeah. they, the first thing they do is they bring a syringe like this big of fentanyl. And I'm like, oh, that's what I was addicted to. And I'm like, okay, this is like the full circle. This is, full like, this is meant to happen. And I'm like, bring it. I need this. Like it's clear, but it's been seven years without it. Okay, this is what's happening now. Very interesting, the timing. And it was just wild, the, the pain that they had to do to bring me into the MRI machine, to move me from the gurney to mm. the MRI machine was excruciating, like screaming pain, right? And because my pelvis is broken, so just to even be on a flat bed is excruciating. Just to move my legs, the rough, roughest, right? So I just remember I was trying to soldier it out and be like, be a man about it. And they bring me into the MRI machine. I just knew right then, I'm like, express your pain and no one's around i'm in this whirling mri machine have a good cry yeah and just a good cry and then yeah. when i got out i'm let like okay man up and go get, get back to it but yeah. you need to express your pain you, do. you, you gotta let it out you have to let it out because it's gonna be worse if you don't mm -hmm. and so i was in the hospital for 17 days had three surgeries while i was there right the first surgery was 10 hours and so like my, my all my friends like it got out that this happened so that i was amazed by like the international community and my friends all like the messages I had, just everything, like mm. it was so much attention and that was hard to receive. 
and like, wow, people care about me. Oh my God, like it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Usually I'm the giver, but now I'm like in this extremely vulnerable state. Like it was so much to process. Mm. Um, and so when I got out of surgery, I was just like, I can't move. Like I'm stuck, <laughs> you know, like yeah. just cast, 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 like unable to move. Like it was just a crazy position to be in. So I'm helpless. Mm. And then to realize like I'm at this point, like I'm running multiple businesses. I'm a boss at this point now. I have to get my butt wiped if I if I if I poo because yeah. I can't move. So can't a team of nurses have to change me like a baby, and that's like humiliating and excruciating at the same time. <laughs> Whoa, like yeah. ego check again, right? Jeez. And this is when I really saw that how I handle this is going to say a lot about me, and I need to show up to this to make myself proud. Like I need to get through this, where at the end of it, I'm just happy I handled it that way. Mm. So don't be a bitch about it. <laughs> be be strong, but also get the help you need. And this was like, okay, in this case, I'm going to practice the deepest level of resilience I can with all the tools that I've gained this whole time. I've trained for this. Me getting through my life and getting out of addiction and out of the dope game, that was transferable skills for this. You can transform this as well. You can make this a net positive. Okay. But it's really hard to like take this on. Your friends are like, this will be the best thing that ever happened to you. When you're like, I can't move, motherfucker. Like it's, it's hard to receive that. You know, yeah. it's hard to receive that. And so when I got out of the hospital, I was in a wheelchair for three months, which was very interesting to be like handicapped. Yeah. You, know, you can't move. But my friends had to pick me up off the toilet. And at this time early on, what were the surgeons telling you? Were they saying oh. like, bro, you know, it's going to be brutal, but you'll yeah. be okay. Or were mm. they saying like, you're, you're fucked? Yeah. They were like, you lucky didn't lose your leg. Mm -hmm. um, you probably won't run ever again. You won't walk properly ever again. You might like you might need a cane the rest of your life. Wow. Um, your right leg will probably be shorter than your left leg, which is like really fucked up to hear. Like that's hard to receive. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to receive. Um, and so I was really like worried about that. Yeah. But then the other part of me was, so be it, and I'll accept it, and I'll make the best of whatever the situation is. Even mm -hmm. when I was like I might be paralyzed, I was like. I'll deal with it. And that really helped where I was like, whatever comes, I'll just use the same practice for whatever situation I'm in is express your feelings, accept it fully and then act your best. Mm -hmm. Cause there were so many setbacks in this situation. Like so many, like they didn't have the right piece for my shin, the right uh, metal plate. They should, put, should have put a nail down my tibia, the, the main weight bearing bone that broke. So they put a plate on the outside of it and that's quite weak. It's not strong mm. for my size. They didn't have my size in Indonesia. I'm quite bigger than most mm. Indonesian people. So <laughs> that's the other thing. You're like, this all happened in like third world country. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So the healthcare is like a C plus. Like, thank uh, God they saved my life, but that's yeah. not where you want to have these like deep trauma surgeries. It's yeah. not the place, right? And so when I finally got out of the wheelchair and I started using two crutches and I could put a bit of weight on this leg, not really, but like I could start, you know, starting practicing walking. Um, on within four, like it was four months in out of the wheelchair. So the first like three weeks out of the wheelchair on New Year's Eve, my leg snapped, the oh. pin, the pin snapped. So oh. my leg rebroke. Oh man. It was so heartbreaking. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, well, we got to do the surgery again. They put another plate in and have the pin still. And it was another eight months of recovery. They said, well, you probably won't be able to walk for another eight months. So I had four already. And so that whole year mentally was heartbreaking and in that surgery they nicked something they caused a hematoma four weeks uh, three like about two weeks after I had another surgery because it was swelling and hot and getting infected so I had another surgery so I'm up to like four or five surgeries now 
So it was just, I've been spending so much time my whole life was from my house to the hospital, house to the hospital, checkups, this, that, this, that. Yeah. My leg was leaking green fluid. It was disgusting, right? So wild. it was just like I was being put through the ringer mentally and emotionally. It was during COVID, you Dude, know, literally, I, I couldn't work. Just everything was draining my bank account. Like everything was just like, holy shit, this is a big reset for me. And I'm like, well, who am I now? You know, I'm, I'm. I'm this victim or I'm just like disabled, I'm handicapped. But thank God, like I had another mission at that time was like, well, I could still do my coaching clients. I'd drive my little like motorized wheelchair and do Zoom calls with my coaching <laughs> clients. And that was so yeah. fulfilling. Yeah. Like, yeah. At least yeah. I can be useful suddenly, yeah. right? Yeah. And we launched Lighthouse. So I launched a business while I was handicapped. So I was like, at least I had something to do, mm -hmm. right? And after that, this really made me who I was. Like this really solidified that there's so much power in the work that we do and that we train for what we've been through. And the reason for us to be mentally strong and work on ourselves, if God forbid something crazy happens, we're like, we're prepared for it. And life will, will throw you obstacles. So you might as well consistently be training and ready for any obstacle that comes their way. So work on yourself to be mentally strong. So even though when the little shit happens, you're strong enough to handle it at your best. And you'll be proud of how you handle every dysfunction in your life. And that was such a big, powerful lesson for me. And so um, in June, I was like, you know, still waiting for many more surgeries. I had my cousin's wedding and I booked the flight like a year before, before the accident in Vancouver to return back home. And I hadn't been home in three years, COVID, everything else stuck on, stuck in Bali, right? And I was like, okay, I want two crutches and I have to go back to my, like, all my family's in Vancouver and I want to show up like a hero, like, Hey guys, I'm like this successful entrepreneur, but I'm coming back as a handicapped person. And I surprised my family though, because I told them the doctor didn't clear me to fly because they didn't. They said you could get a blood clot and die. Mm. But I'm like, nah, I'm going to use all my aeroplan points, like my air miles. <laughs> I'm going to get business class. Nice. I'm going to do all the exercises. I'm like, I'm not going to get hit by a truck and almost die to die from a blood clot in a plane. That's not how yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going out like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on the flight, I've surprised my parents, my family, I show up to the wedding, they're like, what the hell? Like my family's crying, they're so happy. And I get back to Vancouver and my, it was exactly like where I was supposed to be, where I lucked out, got a surgery, they took out that plate, put in a, a nail down my, my shin, made it stronger, they caught a bone infection mm. and I, we didn't know about it, that's why it was leaking the whole time. Uh. So it was like I lucked out and got a surgery. And then when I got back, there was a bunch of guys that were in the drug game that are like, I want to get out and start businesses like you. We don't know how. And mm. I was like, I'll help you. Like I'll help. I would help you for free. I want everybody to reach happiness and their potential. Yeah. They're like, we'll pay you for your coaching or we'll start a business with you or like, we'll do this. And it's just like, oh, okay. Like I'm needed here. Mm. And so all these amazing things started coming from being back in Vancouver that I realized it was like the whole circle was to come back home after all that, and I had to go through this to make me who I am, to become a more resilient person, to then rebrand myself as someone who can take on anything and help and still smile. Mm -hmm. And it really showed me what I was made out of. Yeah. And every step I had take was super painful. Going up and down stairs was a challenge. I was on two crutches, but it showed me, I'm like, I can maintain my, my smile and my humor through this. Yeah. I can do this and still smile and thrive mm. and launch businesses. And so like so much came from this like deeply traumatic, difficult instance where I couldn't even look at a motorcycle. And then when I did all the trauma release work, I did everything possible. The hypnotherapy, counseling, breath work, you know, just every single thing, you know, and it paid off because now you and me are hitting the gym today and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm in LA and I'm shooting podcasts and like all these yeah. amazing things came out of something that could have made me worse 
but I chose this frame. I'm like, I'm gonna handle it like a boss. I just chose, this is what I wanna do. Just do boss things now. Yeah. And I realized, okay, we can pick any frame that we wanna be in as long as we start doing those things. So beautifully said, dude. Thank you. And that's something that is truly like one of the greatest lessons you could learn. It's like you get to choose mm -hmm. how, like what you learn from things that could be perceived as a tragedy. And obviously it was terrible this happened to you, mm -hmm. but you didn't play the victim. You didn't stay in that place. You saw it as an opportunity to grow and get better mm -hmm. and ultimately improve over the long term. So, dude, that's so epic. Thank you. What a journey, man. <laughs> Crazy <What> a journey. <laughs> Such a journey, right? And yeah. it's just like, wow, that, like, I'm happy it happened at this point, you know? And it's like, wow. what I love about that is like, yeah, we can pick, we can pick our outcome. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for everybody listening, like, if you're going through it, pick what your outcome would look like or pick the type of person you want to be to handle that. You can choose. I want to be someone who's resilient and strong and caring and compassionate and still humorous. Yeah. Okay, pick that guy or that girl. And then what would that person do? What would their set of actions be? So if you want to be, you know, someone who's caring and compassionate, what would they do in this situation? Oh, they would actually smile in this situation, not be judgmental. Okay, do that then. Mm -hmm. And if you just do it, your mind will follow your actions. So sometimes you got to force yourself up to go train. Yeah. You don't really want to do it, but you yeah. go train, then you're starting to become someone who trains. Mm -hmm. it, well, your, your body will follow your actions. Just like when you force yourself to smile right now, and you're like, I'm not really happy. Well, smile. You smile, then you're like, suddenly you feel happier. Mm -hmm. You can follow that. You know, it, it works the other way too. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit and yeah. just talk more about the coaching that yeah. you're doing. Sure. So uh, I know it's definitely helping people start businesses, you know, who are unhappy with where they're at, mm -hmm. maybe working a job that they hate or doing something that's not lighting them up and they have an idea, say, you know what, I'm very interested in this. I feel I have some, you know, talent or knack for this. And really you work with them to help them build their brands, build their audience, yeah. create organic leads, create the whole business model. Really, from my understanding, it's like A to Z mm -hmm. of like going from scratch to just building a good cash flowing business. Yeah. So, so talk people through kind of what that process looks like. What I love first is like, I get clear on what their why is and like, what do they want to do and will it light them up? Mm -hmm. Like, is this going to be what you want to do when times are hard? Yeah. Like, will you love it? Is this something you love doing? Will you be proud of yourself that you did it? Mm -hmm. Like, is it going to hit those key fundamental, like, whys and happiness and lights you up and makes you money? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a good idea for you? Great. What skills do you have? Okay, like, how would you make it work? Do you mm -hmm. have the actual skill for it? Okay, great. Now, or what do you need to know? So it comes into, like, well, what do you need to know? Yeah. So then we get clear. We audit your skills, and then we see what's missing, and then we make a plan for how to get it. And then also, who do you need to know? Like, will you need a VA? Will you need a staff? Will you need a copywriter? Yeah, you need a graphic designer? Yep. We fill in then all the what you need to know, who you need to know. And then it's like, okay, let's create a plan for you to get it done. I help a lot of people launch courses or I build retreat centers or I had you know, CEOs that already have their business but they need to mend their broken heart. Mm. Okay, you need to become mentally strong. Mm -hmm. So then we just create plans. And that's what I always used to work off is let's make a list. And then we just make this big list and then we find the resources to get things done and then we keep you on track the accountability so i'll walk you through it so every week we'll meet and we'll have a call or we'll meet in person and we'll just go through the list okay now break it down into the smallest possible chunks so let's get a push the needle this week okay this week you need to talk to this guy you need to make this business plan we'll check in on it next week let me know when it's done let's go over it next week yeah. then we check your work and then we stay accountable and we set new goals and I love to work in three-month increments because you can get a lot done in three months, but it's not like a whole year. It's like yeah. it's, a, it's a short sprint. 
So we sprint, we hit the goals, and then we pick another sprint. And you'd be amazed at what you can do in three months. Then you add those three months in a year, you could launch an entire business and be making money cash yeah. flow positive. Like it's, it's a lot can happen when you set these little goals. Dude, that's the way to do it. Have you yeah. ever read the book, The 12 Week Year? No. It's a great book that talks about this exact concept of breaking things into 12 week periods mm. because it's a long enough time that you can actually make a lot of headway and mm -hmm. a ton of progress, yeah. but it's a short enough period of time that you don't get burned out yeah. and you're not like, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's something that's within reach. Exactly. It's not like making this five year plan where you're like, well man, five years, I don't really have to do anything today. Cause yeah. like I got, yeah. you know, got five years. Yeah, I got five years. Yeah, Whereas yeah, when yeah. you have 12 weeks, you're like, this week is very important. Yes. You know, this is almost 10% of, of yeah. my time to accomplish yeah. this progress that I'm looking for. Yeah. So that's epic. And the thing I love about your service and what you do is you've built out so many resources. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the production company, mm -hmm. Lighthouse, that helps people with content as far as editing and creating really good quality stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you also have a whole massive network of yeah. people that you can refer them to and help them, you know, connect people together that have complementary skill sets and where they could really provide value to each other and collaborate and, and really kind of accelerate their growth based on all these things you've built and all these connections yeah. you've made. I love that because like I'm a networker and then I love developing my clients into becoming assets and they, they're in my network and then I mm. plug them clients. Yeah. I plug them into my network. They become an asset on their own and I give them my network too. So they become friends. They become my friend. They become friends with my friends and I plug them into that. And I think that's one of the most valuable things is that they get a mentor, they get a coach, they get a friend, and then they also get a network. And that's what I think is the valuable part out of that, as well as they get the skills. That's there's huge. always a book to read, there's information mm -hmm. to take in, and there's practices. So you just can't help but develop and grow if you just follow the plan. Yeah. And that's what really helped. It's like, it's all the mentorship and growth I wish I had when mm -hmm. I was trying to get out, that I had to figure out myself, that I'm then able to then just pass along. This is how I did it. I know this works. I know this person is, is gold for you to meet. Mm -hmm. I know this exact therapy or this breath work thing is what you need, or this, um, health practitioner okay you're you're totally burnt out you need to talk to ryan mm -hmm. plug you into that or yeah. this and so i can plug people into this huge healing network that i have or or creation network or this or that and it helps people build the bus while they're driving it too so it's like okay we got a goal but you need to do these things along the way perfect do this 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 and this but we're actually on the path to you having a product or a business or just a healthier mindset Mm -hmm. And then we're able to track it with key performance indicators that you actually nailed it so we can celebrate the wins along the way so you know you're winning because mm -hmm. we need that feedback loop. Totally. We got to look back and know that we're doing something positive. Otherwise, it's hard to keep going. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I love coaching, man. It really um, made me very happy in the sense that like, you know, I was able to do it when I was in a wheelchair and I was able to be valuable then and that got me through it. It really did. And I love to be helping people now do something like my clients, pretty much all of them, actually all of them want to make a bigger, bigger impact in the world and want to do something outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. Those are the people I attract in. They have a big heart. They want to be an asset to the community. They want to make this life worth living because they're useful and they want to be more impactful mm -hmm. and they just want to feel like a good person. But also, of course, you want abundance, you want yeah. connection, yeah. you want to be likable, you want to be lovable, and, and you want to help the people around you. Those are the people I fuck with. That's like, okay, they, they like that, and they want to have fun while doing it. Mm. We're, I'm obviously I'm a jokester, so yeah, yeah. we have a good time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, that's the way. And um, I attract in really amazing clients that become lifelong friends, and that's mm. what I, I, it's very fulfilling work, right? Mm. So that's like, that's my jam. And um, 
I've seen a lot of great success out of this. Multiple, multiple businesses, you know, that are coming out of this that people mm. are like becoming powerhouses. And that's my favorite. Getting that's a lot huge. of gangsters out of the game. Yeah. That's fun. That's they're huge. launching businesses. Yeah. They're becoming community leaders in the sense that they want to like do charity work. They're shifting, they're getting a spiritual practice. It's very fulfilling and fun to see people transform. That's why it's the full reset. That's why my, my coaching practice is because you're pushing full reset on your life and then choosing how to live next. And we all have the power to do it. Sometimes you just need a mentor to help you or a coach to help you get through it all. And mm -hmm. I love playing that role. Dude, I love that. And honestly, man, I, I think more people need to understand the value of coaching mm -hmm. in all aspects. Yeah. But especially when it comes to business, the amount, the, the, the way it can create that catalyst to accelerate your progress mm -hmm. and help you learn so many lessons, not the hard way, without having yeah. to crash and burn and fail and create all these you know, terrible scenarios is immeasurably valuable. Yeah. And I tell people this all the time with what I do is like, yeah, investing in your health, investing in your wellness is an amazing ROI, but that goes across the board. Just like you would hire a mechanic to fix your car or a mm -hmm. CPA to do your taxes. You would hire an expert that knows exactly what they're doing. That's dedicated their life to this stuff. And they'll teach you all the golden nuggets you need on your journey. And then make sure you're following through with some level of accountability. Exactly. It's the, it's a no-brainer to yeah. me, and I've hired many business coaches throughout my journey, and I've found every single time, even when it was big investments, you know, like big five-figure investments to to work with someone, mm -hmm. every time I'm like look back and was like, wow, that was ten times more valuable than yeah. what I paid. Yeah, like you're investing was, in yourself. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing is you're investing in a coaching, but you're investing in yourself, and that's why I think we were talking about before is like crypto scares me. I'm like, yeah. it's great, <laughs> it is the future. I'm super happy it's a thing, but I'm yeah. like, uh. I don't know, man. It's quite volatile, but I know that if I invest in me and I mm -hmm. invest in knowledge into me, I won't lose that. Yeah. Well, and dude, like it, creating higher earning capacity is yeah. the greatest investment you could have. Like exactly. it, people exactly. are, I, I'll get people asking me like, dude, I got like, you know, 10, 20 grand to invest. What do you think I should do? Like some stocks, some mm -hmm. crypto. I'm like, dude, go buy some courses, buy yeah. some books, join a mastermind, yeah. invest in a coach, like increase your ability to have two or three million dollars to invest, yes. not 10 or 20 grand, because yes. even if you get a great return, even if you double your money, yeah. that's not that much money. Exactly, and, exactly. And exactly. if you increase your ability to earn, yeah. and now you're earning two or three times more every single year yeah. for the next couple of decades, that is going to amount to so much more wealth. Yeah. And then no matter what happens with the economy, what happens with these assets and these, you know, everything crashes and burns in this huge financial, uh, you know, terrible scenario, you're going to still be able to make money because you yeah. have the, the skills and the insights that you need yeah. to thrive throughout any economic exactly. turbulence. It's worth so much more to invest in a perspective change yeah. into, into a light, like a light bulb going on, a little switch, right? Mm -hmm. Like if people are listening and you're like, well, okay, I got a tough thing going on, but now I'm going to handle this in a way that's going to make me proud when I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I can look back on it. And I'm like, I bossed up. Yep. I leveled up. Okay, that's a light bulb right there that could, you could carry that into every single action you do. And then you're like, Actually, that was very valuable for me. I now know how, know how to handle tough situations with much more skill. Mm -hmm. Okay, that right there is worth a lot of money because now you can handle every tough situation you're going to go into in a different frame of mind that's going to make it rather than a meltdown or you know a tantrum or mm -hmm. like a fuck, why is this happening to me situation into challenge accepted. Watch me make myself proud. At the end of it, I'll do a recap and be like, good job. Yeah, It's a switch. You know? Yeah. yeah. The other thing that impresses me, dude, is you walk the talk. Thank you. Like I see you out here, you're you're doing it. 
you know, you're putting out great content. You're one of my, the fa- one of my favorite people to follow, Aaron, because <laughs> you're fucking you. hilarious. Thank and you. you keep Thank it real. You. You're not just like making this like fluffy content to like, mm-hmm. you know, hype people up. And I feel like so many people in like the business, personal development space, especially you have a, a very powerful spiritual side to you. Mm-hmm. And in that community, people can be like so hairy fairy. And you, <laughs> yeah. you just cut through all the, the nonsense and you're yeah. just like, give it to people real and make them laugh, but also teach them. Thank and you. I think that's a great way where you bring kind of like comedy and also a lot of practicality together. Thank you. I so, appreciate that. So it's impressive, man. And obviously you've built seven businesses, which is seven more than most people can say <laughs> in a pretty short period of time. And two handicapped. Yeah. <laughs> two all's handicapped. I'm getting hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is dope because I invested in myself at the start and, yeah. you know, a couple hundred grand in my, in my personal development. But mm-hmm. like, damn, it was so worth it because... Oh, yeah. Now I can launch a business while I'm handicapped. Like yep. the the proof is in the pudding there. Like if you know the stock market or or, or crypto tanked, it's like yeah I, I lost money in that, but I still gained the experience of I can launch a business through anything now. Yeah, you know it's like okay there is a lot of power in that investment in yourself because then mm-hmm. when anything happens, you can then do stuff and yeah. do stuff that makes you feel better. It'll save your life. It'll save your mindset. So I think the power of investment, like, you know, listening to podcasts that enrich you just like you guys are doing now, mm. that is self-love. That is. That, that is training your resilience. And That's right. It's like invaluable. It's now just the only way I want to live now. Like yeah. it really is. I'll be learning and growing my entire life because I just know this is the way. That's the path. And that couch surfer mentality or just fucking around and thinking living in a flashy way that doesn't serve a greater good I just know that's a downward spiral mm-hmm. it's a downward current and if I can just keep learning and be humbled and hopefully not be humbled anymore mm-hmm. I'm like I get it please no more trucks <laughs> I've learned I've learned please no more <laughs> and just like that's actually like a brilliant way to live yeah. um, and the community is super important and like having lifelong friends that are in that upward current is brilliant to have those people in your network and like going and getting more people in your network that are High achievers mm-hmm. is such a great life hack. That's a super skill right there is to seek out people. And you have to pay for those connections sometimes. I've been in masterminds. I've been in, you know, in these big groups. I had to pay a lot of money to get in. But then after I had lifelong connections and friends and, and perspective changes that like, okay, that was really worth it. Totally. Yeah. Maybe the retreat, that one workshop we did wasn't worth it. I already knew what they're talking about. But the friends I made out of it, mm-hmm. worth it. So people need to reframe how they think of their investment sometimes and because the connections you might get out of it, that perspective change or the contact is so worth your time to go and seek out the person. I completely agree. It's completely agree, man. Well, where can people go to learn more about your your work and your coaching and everything else? Um, Instagram's my, my my main channel. I answer my DMs. I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. Ink Pray Love on Instagram. Ink underscore Pray underscore Love. That's like my main channel. We have podcast channel. Ink Pray Love podcast. That's also where we we'll put a bunch of clips for ours. Um, the podcast is on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, my website, AaronBio.com, if they want to see some of the businesses in there and, and also a bit more about my coaching and the charity work that we do. That's mm-hmm. like a good channel. But Instagram, you can message me. That's like my quick channel. Mm-hmm. Hit me up. I love to meet new people. and I love when people resonate with what I do. I love to talk to them. So I'm super approachable. I love that stuff. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for taking the time. It's been great hanging with you the last couple days, Thank you so much. I had so fun, bro. Great times, great workouts. Let's eat some steaks. Let's do it, bro. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. 
be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note, the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.